Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears with former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten. we got a fantastic guest. Greg Braggs is on the show, but first got to talk about our sponsor. And who else is it than BetOnline.ag? Look, college basketball is right around the corner. College football, NFL is in full swing. And it remains your top spot for all your live betting action and content, uh, contests. It's BetOnline. NFL, college football, you name it. It's the number one source for your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head to bet online today and remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. That is only at betonline.ag where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the show. We got a fantastic guest, but first I got to say hello to my man. He's former Bears defensive end, former Northwestern standout, CHGO's very own, Fox 32's very own, and West End Golf Club's very own. It's Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? What's up, Joey? Um, you know, I thought there was some. Is that sweat? Montez? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that one in there, but hey, I'm doing good, man. Doing a lot better because, you know, I play defensive end. And the Bears just traded for a defensive end in Montez Sweat. He's a guy that I've really enjoyed watching over the years. And I really feel like he's underrated as a pass rusher. What he brings to the table, his length, his strength, his run game defense as well. I feel like he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can be. There's still room for improvement. And you know what the crazy part is? When, when I'm on Twitter and stuff like that saying he's only 27, people are like, 27? I'm like, when did that become old? Especially in the NFL when it comes to defensive linemen. Like, we got guys playing in their 30s playing well. Like, I, I don't understand when when a guy with no injury history at 27 years old, that's old at this point. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little confused by that. Corey's chomping at the bit. Look, I'm turning 40 in January, so he's a child. He's a, he's a kid. He's a young man. <laughs> he uh, he's a young yet, man. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're going to get into it in one second, but first let's bring in our guest. Uh, now, look, this gentleman right here, brick by brick, has built a fantastic media career for himself, and he is a rising star, a burning comet, if you will, ascending. Uh, he is a producer <laughs> now for CHO Sports. You'll know him from Braggs in the Stands. You can follow him at Junior 23 on Twitter. It is Greg Braggs himself. Greg, welcome to the show. How are you, man? What's up, boys? Appreciate you having me on. Oh, man, it's good to have a meatball in the building, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, oh, that's what we call him over there. See, now, he's butter, now he's buttering me up, Joey. On Mondays, he just, <laughs> you know, he's all over me. He's yelling at me. Braggs, we need to work on the trenches. He yelled at me all Monday about it. And I guess he got his wish. The Bears were listening. You know, he's like that little kid. Well, you got to use a little kid. When you're a little kid, you, you hope to be the quarterback. That, that's all he thinks about is quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. There's, a, there's other pieces to the puzzle, Braggs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, uh, my, my Italian wife would say, if you don't oil the pan or put a little butter with those meatballs, they're going to stick to the pan. So we're going to have a clean yeah. we're going to have a clean pull here today on the show. Sure. Uh, let's dive right into it. So many news and notes here with the two and six Chicago Bears team as they prepare to pay, play the New Orleans Saints this week. But first, we've got to start with the news of the day. And Corey, uh, this is Corey's corner right here. The Chicago Bears trade for Montez Sweat. They trade their second round pick in next year's draft uh, to grab a guy that Bears fans, if you're not too familiar with Montez Sweat, and Corey's going to tell you in a second, you've definitely heard his name when he plays the Bears over the last <laughs> couple of seasons. So, Corey, man, I want your first blush reaction, man. Uh, the Bears acquire Montez Sweat. What does he bring to the team? Do you like the move? The floor is yours. I love the move. Uh, some some people are up in arms about this. I wanted Chase Young and all this. But think about Chase Young, right? He had that substantial knee injury, right? 
And and th- just think about knee injuries for a second. A guy like Todd Gurley, right, that played five really good years, and all of a sudden that degenerative knee, and especially with some of the bigger guys, Chase Young took a couple years to come back. So Montez Sweat, in my opinion, is the most underrated defensive end of the game. I mean, hands down. I mean, what he's able to do to push the pro- pocket, he's, he's a leader in pressures pretty much every year the past couple of years. His length, 6'6", 262, one arm's longer than two. It, it's unbelievable how he's able to push the pocket, get those pressures, get sacks. He gave Braxton Jones fits. He gives every left tackle fits. And you got to think about it, 27 years old, only missed five games in his career. So he doesn't get injured much. And uh, I, I just love the fact that they had to make a move, right? Because in free agency, in the draft, you're not going to be able to address all those concerns. And people are like, well, we gave away a second-round pick. But my thing is you, you have a proven pass rusher, a guy that's a great run defender as well, and is going to constantly elevate his game. So I, I love the pick. Obviously, they're probably going to sign him to, to a long-term deal. I think that was – kind of hand-in-hand with that trade. Um, So people say, well, he's at the end of his contract. I think there were some talks beforehand. Hey, we're going to trade for you. We're going to have you sign this. So they're probably trying to work out the logistics of everything. But I'll be surprised if he doesn't get a long-term deal in in probably the next few weeks. He's going to get get big money, too. I mean, he wouldn't have said, yeah, go ahead and trade for me. You know, backdoor talks, like you said, I'm sure had to take place because this ain't like Claypool. You don't make this move. And have him for a year and a half rental because they could technically franchise tag him. But as any player will tell you, I'm sure Corey will tell you, a franchise tag is going to piss a player off, like Brian Baldinger told us today. Because now you're that's a risk for a player to play under a franchise tag. So to me, they've got to work it out and they will work it out. I agree with that full heartedly. And Montez is going to get paid because the Bears got to pay him well for him to say, all right, yep, deal. You got yourself a deal here. Uh, so in that regard, once the deal gets done, it's uh, completely official. I ain't worried about his age. Uh, you know, to me, this is exactly what they needed. Just like last year, obviously the Claypool thing didn't work out, but you're trying to get ahead of the market, the free agent market, the questions of who you can get in the draft. Corey and I talked about it. Like, yeah, of course they need trench. They need help in the trenches defensively, but were those guys going to be available in the top five where it looks like both their picks could very well be doesn't look like it. It looks like wide receiver offensive lineman or quarterback are going to be the type of picks that are going to fall there. Now in the second round, I mean, it's a crap shoot who falls to you at that point. So to bring in a guy, get ahead of it, start to build your trenches now on top of what you already have with some of these young pieces that are still developing. And it's exciting, uh, you know, and, and, and that only is going to help your secondary out who's doing everything they possibly can to hold on for dear life here this season. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see him out there Sunday. Obviously I'm happy that we don't have to go up against him anymore because he almost killed Justin Fields last year. (laughs) Uh, Greg, just to follow up on that really quick, um, making a couple of great points. I do like, it's funny that there are similarities. Look, they're totally two different situations with Ryan Poles dealing a second round pick for the second year in a row. The other similarity that I kind of gleamed a little bit today of Twitter, let's see if it's confirmed or not, that Atlanta looked like a landing spot for him. Um, He does have family in Atlanta. There was a rumor that also maybe that was his preferable landing spot. So again, like the Packers last year, the Bears had to get in there and obviously pay that second round price. So in, in your opinion right now, does that... 
does that change anything with how you view Montez Sweat? I know a lot of people want the deal done right now. Is there a timeline in your mind right now that makes sense? Like, could this drag into the offseason? Would that be a good move for the Chicago Bears? Do you think they need to get this deal done as quick as possible? Yeah, they absolutely do, because then then the Bears will have no choice but to franchise tag him. And then that Mm -hmm. takes you down a road that you don't really want to go down. Yeah, you have control over him over the next year with the franchise tag. But A, you're giving up a lot of money for one year. And B, that player is not going to be happy with that and could very well hold out in that scenario. You know, so now you're going down a, a road you don't want to go down. If anything, uh, and Herb Howard brought this up a few times. He was in studio here today from It's the Bigs. He made a great point, too. If you're Montez Sweat, not only do you not want to play under the franchise tag, but your value cannot be higher than it is at this very moment. Like right now, the Bears are super desperate to get it done to, to make sure that they made the right move. And you don't know what's going to happen over the next nine games if you're Montez Sweat. And and something could happen to you, right? You know, the next nine games are a risk for him, not under an extended contract. So they both have an incentive to get a deal done. Uh, you know, the Bears are going to have to pay up, though. There's no question about it. They can't lowball him. But why would they lowball him? They traded for him. So obviously they think very highly of him. And if you think very highly of him, the money should reflect that. And, and think about this, right? Six and a half sacks at this point in the year. He most likely is going to go for double digits, if not more. He's, he's on pace potentially for 14, 15 sacks, something around there. And think about if they hold this out to the offseason and then they decide not to franchise. He's going to he's gonna get absolutely paid. So so the thing is, his value is going to continue to go up. So if I were the Bears, before this weekend, I would lock it in. I would lock it in, get him, get him locked in. He's a premium pass rusher. The thing I'm trying to figure out, and I said this earlier, when did 27 become old for a defensive lineman? <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm just curious because people said, oh, he's old. Like, oh, when is 27 is that- old? Corey, Corey, is that in the context, though, of when the Chicago Bears are supposed to be competitive again? I mean, obviously, the season has been a complete disaster. It's gone off the rails. We thought that we would take steps forward. So maybe now Bears fans are looking at this more as like, well, maybe not 2024. Maybe now this is more 2025, which brings your player a little bit closer to 29. And then the wrong side of 30. Is it is it is it fair to also think of that in the broad grand scheme of where the Chicago Bears are going right now as a team? I understand what, what they're saying from that standpoint, but but my thing is like, especially like if someone hasn't had injury history and they don't get injured, usually usually they're able to continue that that string of play, how they're playing, and they usually don't drop off till 33, 34. Um, look, there's, there's been a lot of guys that have played at a high level for a long time. Look at, look at Hargrave, like what he's still doing, right? I believe he's 32, 33 years old, still playing at a very high level. Um, so my, my thing is like this, he's, he's proven that he's a durable player. He's only 27 years old. Like it, it's unbelievable what he's able to do. And I think this will be the first year that he hits double digit sacks. And I think he'll be able to continue that because he's gotten better every year. So I, I love the pick when people are comparing him and Chase Young, I'd rather have Montez sweat all day, right? That knee injury is tough. You just never know when you have that cartilage damage, especially for a bigger guy, Chase Young's 270, 280. It's a lot of wear and tear on, on those joints. So I think I think that w- when I think of who would I like more, and, and even even injury history aside, I think Montez Sweat is, is a better player. 
well, I, mean, and, I think he plays and, the run better, and I think I think his length mm-hmm. is unbelievable. So. Well, and not to mention, like when you talk about, oh well, there's still a couple years away. So how does this make sense? Then why'd you trade for? Why'd you ask for DJ Moore? They, they, like, did anybody go into this season <laughs> saying that they were still going to be rebuilding this year? No, the the whole franchise and the fans assumed this team was going to compete this year. And just because yeah. it's failed miserably doesn't mean you you give up on next year. They got one year where they were allowed to rebuild and tank. And it was acceptable for everyone, including this meatball. They don't get that <laughs> excuse this year. I'll take the consolation prize if it ends up being a top five pick, but I will not be celebrating that the way Corey and I were hugging it out in the final game of last year. No, they they were supposed to be competitive this year, and they weren't. So next year is the same goal. You should be competitive next year. And now you have Montez Sweat to add to that possibility you're going to have a boatload of money here in the offseason even after you pay montez sweat and you got to just start keep adding to the trenches Corey's got it he's got me mesmerized now it's like a he put me in a um you know he put me in a hypnotism and and i get it now we're gonna focus on the trenches i'm not gonna talk about the quarterback we are gonna so 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 yeah, so let me let me tee this up really quick. And honestly, where I land on it is if you go across any major sport really ever from me growing up from the time of the time I started falling in love with sports, 27 is when you enter your prime, right? So we're getting a guy entering his prime. Go across any sport, baseball, basketball, football. Um so that's where I land on that and that's why I'm 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 fine I with the age of my test. I thought 30 was your prime as far as like your your peak testosterone, your HGH levels. <laughs> I thought unless I thought you're I'm running back, I guess, but yeah, yeah, but but I I, I think it, it it relies. I'm a lot about on to turn injuries. 38. I feel like I'm in my prime right say, now. Wait, yeah, I was gonna say, wait a second, we're all oh. entering our, our, our peak right now. <laughs> so wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tee I'm gonna tee this up. I want you guys both to weigh in. Corey, you're gonna go first. Um, I just want you to give us uh for Bears fans, name us one player on the defensive side of the ball that you think is gonna benefit the most from Montez Sweat. Not named Montez Sweat, obviously. Jalen Johnson. Right, he he's he's gonna benefit big time. That Russian cover, that's something with this Tampa two scheme. Brags, me and you have talked about this countless times. Joey as well. Um, the Russian cover, and it's gonna make it that much better. He plays he plays on the defensive right side, the blind side of most quarterbacks, unless you're playing a lefty. Um, it just makes the job that much easier. Um, you know, of a defensive back. And quarterbacks have had all day back there, Patton. And listen, they're gonna slide protections. They're gonna try to double team them. He's gonna have to need another help. So if I'm if I'm Eberflus, I'm bringing Edwards or, or one of the talented linebackers off the other side just to keep them honest at that point. But I think it's gonna make the defensive backs job that much easier. I think a guy like Jalen Johnson that's really talented. They were talking about a potential uh, negotiation, but I think they need to get it done with him. I think he's talented. Uh, they drafted him well. He's he's gotten better every year. He's really improved. I know he's kind of been banged up a little here or there, but nothing serious. So if, if I were the Bears, I, I would sign him going forward. I think he's one of the bright spots, and I think you have to retain the talent that you draft that plays well. I, I would say in the short term, it's going to help Yannick Ngakwe, who has been literally non-existent this year. Like, has he made a play? Well, part of that's because who's on his opposite end, and they might be able to key a little more in on Yannick Ngakwe, who has a resume of getting to the quarterback. Now you got to pay attention to Montez Sweat in a big way. So you're going to be sliding protection. You're going to bring in that tight end over to help chip him. And so maybe that's going to open things up for Yannick Ngakwe in the short term, in the long term, if we're going to look past this year, because I don't think Ngakwe is in there 
future plans. I think he was just a year over year placeholder. I think TJ Edwards is the guy to look at. I'd, I'd probably pick one of the safeties, but let's see how that shakes out. I'm worried about Brisker's health going forward. And I don't know how Eddie Jackson's in the future, but a guy like TJ Edwards, because they haven't been able to get home with four, they've had to start sending guys. And a lot of the times it's TJ Edwards that they're sending. So if they continue to send TJ Edwards, Again, all the attention's going towards a guy like Montez Sweat, or at least more attention's going towards the defensive line. That's going to help TJ Edwards get through there, get through and knife towards the quarterback and, and, and break things up, or even the running back. Or maybe he can do what he's intended to do and not get into the backfield and start covering people, you know, sideline to sideline. The linebackers can start doing their job that's in this Tampa, too that we've all known, you know, even back to the lovey days. And that's to roam the field and cut off those passing lanes. TJ Edwards was one of the top uh, coverage linebackers in football last year, but that's because he played with the Eagles and they have a defensive line where each guy on the line had 10 sacks or more. So now you start adding guys like this. TJ Edwards can start doing what he was actually intended to do when we brought him here. So you're seeing my point, Braggs, about the defensive line being so I, I, valuable. You know, you think Joey, I don't listen. I, I He doesn't I know listen. I'm, He's like, quarterback, Caleb Williams. So, and no, I'm like, so Greg, no. I mean, Greg, I, I, I've characterized it as, like, to be honest with you, the fact that Ryan Poles kind of punted on the defensive line for two years in a row, I, I said it was a level of arrogance, honestly. I'm using that word. That, that this outside in mentality on the defensive side of the ball when everything that we've been preaching with Ibrafus and what he does, he only likes to rush for – and honestly, I get—I think I get it. Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings, they're not uh, El-Kadim Muhammad. I get all that. They're playing maybe a little bit better than years past. But but man, I mean, if, for two years in a row, I'm glad to see him at least make that move and realize that from the beginning, the Ogan Joby thing, he never went back to that well. You know what I mean? Right. He never paid big money, and now it looks like he's but paying that, up for but, it now. But that's the names. Like, the only name you can legitimately say is Jalen Carter. And other than that, like, who are, who are you going to bring in? Because, like, Keanu Benton, we talked about him in the second round, fair. But at the same time, like, there's so many holes on this team. And, yeah, he you could say he should have just prioritized defensive line, and I understand that logic. But at the same time, then we'd be complaining that they don't have a right tackle or we'd be complaining that they don't have this player or they can't cover. You know what I mean? Like, this team, yeah, he ripped it fans. to the he ripped this team down to the studs. And I yeah. think he understands this better than fans do that. The process to getting back to legitimate legitimacy was going to take a little longer than we all wanted. Uh, and, and I think he also was taking a risk that he could patchwork it until he can find long-term plans, but Hey, now he found a long-term plan here, a guy that can be, you know, a staple on that line. And he attacked and, and made sure it, that he got Montez sweat here instead of uh, watching him go to Atlanta. So, you know, um, I say it all the time. You said it to start a show brick by brick. Uh, sometimes I don't even listen to that because I start panicking and screaming into my microphone at CHGO Bears. But at the same time, that's another brick. Keep stacking the bricks. You might have a house by next year. They better have a house or I'm going to huff and puff and, and cry. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of speaking of the weather at Hallis Hall, that might uh, help with the might hurt a little bit with the foundation. Uh, let's move on over to another pair of news uh, at Hallis Hall. I promise we'll get to the offense at some point. Uh, we're here on Believe in Bears with former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten and CHGO's very own Greg Braggs right here on the show with us right now. Uh, Greg, you're going to go first on this one if that's all right. Um, 
again, Hallis Hall uh, had some more news for off the field issues. Yep. Um, the running backs coach has been fired or let go of relieved of his duties. Um, the HR department is involved again. This is the second coach, I believe, in six weeks, seven weeks that has been let go off of Ibrafus's staff. Um, I don't even want to lead you. I just want to kind of get your reaction on 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 Ibrafus right now um, and general manager Ryan Poles and just how how did the Bears move forward through this right now um, in a way that kind of restores a little bit more faith in the Chicago Bears fan base that honestly is, is getting more shaken by the day. The foundation is shaking. Yeah, it's it's an odd situation with um, what happened today and Alan Williams and and not having actual answers to what they did. You know, it's yeah. so it's hard to speculate and and then give a harsh critic criticism towards Ryan Poles and and um, Kevin Warren and Matt Eberflus when you just don't like we were talking about it today and it's like okay, but what happened? Did they know about it? You know, I, like we all work with people do we know everything about what they're doing behind the scenes or what they're doing at their house no now were there things that were happening within house hall that they were aware of and they 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 tried to work with him on and then he kept doing it that's a different story but we those things we just don't know at the end of the day what we do know is whatever they did do they were fired for so the question then becomes was it something they were aware of before and sat on their hands about it? Or was it something they were, once they were made immediately aware of it, they fired them for. And that's a great question because uh, we spend a lot of time when teams and organizations, college football, whatever, when they sweep things under the rug and they keep them hidden. And then when they do explode and come out, we always ask, when did they know and how did they know it? There is an argument to be made without knowing what's going on with either situation that the Chicago bears do not tolerate whatever it is. Um, that they found or however they were, they treated anyone in the building. Um, and it feels like Ryan Poles was a little transparent with that today about how we have a certain culture. And if you're not up to standard, you're out the door. So Corey, my question for you is, you know, you, you're a guy who's been in a lot of these locker rooms before. Um, you know, if you're in that locker room right now, how are you kind of taking this news? I know it's hard to kind of really comment on it because we don't know the specifics, but you know, how are you taking it as a player right now? I mean, I, I think it's just strange, right? This whole season, it's been a dumpster fire, right? High expectations, high hopes for the team, underperform. The coaching staff first with Allen Williams, now now this running back coach. There's a, there's just something weird. It, it seems like an episode of like Stranger Things or something. Something something's going on. It just just doesn't feel right. So that's like the one year I played with Sam Hurd, right? And everything that happened with him uh, mm. during the season, it was the craziest thing. It just seemed like a like a show. It, it didn't seem real. I was like. Sam Hurd, the dude yeah. that had been leading Bible study, that never went out, never did anything, never drank, never selling, selling. What? Like it, it, it's unbelievable. So this, this you don't know season, what a guy's doing behind the scenes. No, you, you you never know, and especially I feel like at the NFL level, coaches and players, it's a lot easier to hide stuff, right? Because think about in college, right? You're around your your teammates all day, every day, classes, you're living with them. Everybody kind of goes home and does their separate thing. So people sometimes live some crazy lifestyles that you don't know, you don't hear about. It gets under wraps. So nobody knows exactly what happened. I guess, you know, as, as time goes on, we'll find and, out exactly. And I'll what say this much of it. And- right. And I'll say this much. If it's criminal activity, then we should be made aware of what it was at some point. Like if it was oh, criminal activity were. and we're going to keep it under the rug and, mm-hmm. and, and protect these guys, then I, I don't. Uh, I don't uh, co-sign on that. Uh, but if it wasn't criminal activity, 
you know, like I said, it's all just speculation, but that's what I'll say is if it was criminal activity, then at some point, everyone needs to be made aware of what happened and we well, don't, there's no it, need to protect them about it. I think if it was speculation, <clears throat> I don't think they would have been fired. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't hire, you can't fire somebody else. Right. Speculation. I, I think they had some evidence and obviously you got to go through the process and why, but I think right, but there's a difference, discovered. Right. But there's a difference between, you know, alleged infidelity or something like that. Uh, and in criminal activity, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Th- that like I don't know what their transgressions were, but if it crossed the line of of criminality, then there's no reason why they should be the, these stories should be swept under the rug to protect them for it. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, and I the important thing to I think it's important. bad. I, I think it is like yeah, I, I, and honestly, somebody. like the important thing for Bears fans that they have to keep in mind too, as well, is that we live in this age where we all want answers right now. But I just do know, and I remember this with Alan Williams, is that you have to let. I think we have a lot of really great strong reporting in Chicago and you have to like let them do their job a little bit and you have to make sure that all these issues are vetted out. Like you can't just, there's no smoking gun with these things all the time. So even with this particular situation, I would ask Bears fans to maybe kind of wait just a little bit and allow some of the journalists in this town to see if they can get the real story. Obviously if something is criminal that comes to light because that's public information. Um, But again, another member of the team has been dismissed. Um, So, so Greg, I mean, how do you ingest that in the Eberflus era right now? Um, it, it's hard to say that, like, well, he doesn't have control of the ship, but this, again, on-field, off-field, is there anything that you can point to that is signature Eberflus? What what is he what has he brought to the table um, that is a hallmark of his personality as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I would just say – on the field is probably where I'd want to keep it. And, and the lack of adjustments, uh, quick enough adjustments slow is my biggest, to the adjustments, right? It, it, mm. It's that's my biggest gripe about him. You know, when Ryan Poles came to the podium today, he really defended Matt Eberflus and said, you know, he's a man of integrity, good guy fighting through adversity. He's a, you know, he's a grown man is what Ryan Poles said. Okay. Well, we're all grown men here, but you got to do your job well. And, what I have an issue with him about is these lack of adjustments last year. And I don't just put this at the feet of Luke Getzey, but it took them five, six weeks to adjust to what they wanted to do with Justin Fields. Well, that's too long. You have to identify that you don't have the personnel to run what you're trying to run and cater to the strengths of your quarterback, which they finally did against new England. And then off they went. Okay. You get some credit for the adjustment, but you also get a ding for taking too long to get to that point. It gets even worse when you do it again this year and you have three weeks into the season where you haven't made any adjustments to the point where your quarterback has to come to the media and say, I'm not doing it like this anymore. Too much information, too much data. The coaching is, is too much for me. And then they adjust. It took Justin ringing the, the ringing the alarm for them to make an adjustment way too many weeks to get to that point. The, the ones that are the most obvious to me, though, on the adjustments are the tush push. They spent four or five weeks screwing up fourth and short when the rest of the league had already moved to this tush push that the Eagles had put on display all of last year. They finally do it after the Denver game because they blew the Denver game because they couldn't execute on fourth and short. And it that's like the most obvious thing when the rest of the league's already doing it and you're the last one in line figuring it out. 
And then defensively, which is on Matt Eberflus's watch, Corey Wooten, Brian Baldinger, all these smart football guys, meatballs like me, fans on Twitter, they can't get to the quarterback by only rushing four. They got to send more guys. They got to dial up the pressure. They got to get the quarterback off his spot or they're going to just get hung out. The secondary is just going to keep getting hung out to dry. It took them five weeks to start blitzing a little <laughs> more and, and play a little more man coverage like that. You don't need to be a defensive well, genius to adjust to that point. And Matt Eberflus finally has with Tyreek Stevenson and, and Jalen playing a little more man coverage, them sending TJ Edwards and Jaquan Brisker a little more took him way too long to get there. Yeah, no, you can't I, be a I lemming though, you. Greg, you can't be a lemming. You gotta, you can't do, you gotta be a trendsetter, right? You gotta do end arounds to Trent Taylor. You gotta make the tight yeah. end screen a trademark thing. Um, Corey, Corey, hop in real quick. I do want to hop, uh, hop over the offense yeah. too as well. I got I got a question. Yeah, for you. I, I, I think I think the biggest thing is right uh, going into this year. We kind of knew the pass rush wasn't up to par. Uh, Yannick and Gonku, that was that was a, a step in the right direction, right? A guy that's a, been a proven pass rusher, but ultimately we kind of knew they were going to fall short, right? They would slide their protections to them. We thought that the rush defense would be significantly improved, right? And what we've seen is is up and down, right? A couple of games they played strong in the rush defense other games getting gashed. So kind of what we saw last year. So I think that's the most disappointing part because last year they really struggled with that rush defense. It's gotten a little bit better, but still not where it needs to be. And then like Bragg said, it takes you five weeks to start blitzing. You should have knew that from the jump. You look at you look at a team like Minnesota and what Brian Flores is doing. Like he is bringing the heat on, on most teams, right? He's putting the pressure on them. And I think that's why they've been on a winning streak because they're they're pressuring opposing quarterbacks. They're making them uncomfortable. They're taking them off that spot. They're causing the ball to be out quick. They're tightening the coverage a little bit. And what is that doing? That's benefiting everybody. Because whether whether you blitz, whether you bring four, pressure makes makes any quarterback like not look good. You look at for years when when uh, Vic Fangio was was the defensive coordinator, uh, Jared Goff when he was the top of the league with Todd Gurley, he struggled. I think he had. I think it's 70 yards, one of, the, one of the games when we played him at home back in 2018 and 2019. Kirk Cousins, every time he played Vic Fangio's team, he struggled. He was lighting it up <laughs> against every other team because of that pressure. So just being a defensive mind and Eberflus, it does, I just don't get it why it took him so long, and it's very frustrating. And, I, you know, I Poles talked about him today, and he has faith in him and all this. Like, you can say whatever type of lip service – you want, but he hasn't. He hasn't done this team a, a great job at all, and I, he's not going to be here. It's 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 as simple as that. The writing's on the wall. Um, it, yeah, he's not going to be here. And Brian Flores was available in the last coaching cycle too, as well. Just so I'm saying that out there. But I digress. Uh, we're talking Chicago Bears football, uh, basically the DC movie franchise of the NFL. Uh, here I'm believing Bears. Uh, let's hop it over the offensive side of the ball, Corey. Uh, it's been a while. I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks, so I want to get your evaluation on uh, Tyson Bajant. Um, and if we can kind of compartmentalize and also talk a little bit about, you know, Matt Eberflus already came out and said, Justin Fields will not play this week, which I found to be, uh, fairly interesting, uh, especially when we're talking about injury reserve. Um, but you know, how do you think this is kind of playing out and what do you think the coaching staff feels about fields right now? It just feels like the rope, they're loosening up on the rope on Justin, but, uh, first year evaluation on Tyson. Yeah, so I thought in that Raiders game, I, I thought it was a great game plan for him, right? I thought he executed it well. He got the ball out quick. He's very efficient. And they relied on the run game. That's something they should have been doing, whether Fields is the quarterback or Bajan. So for me, it's just like 
Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde with, with Lou Gessie, right? One game he's calling great games, especially even with Fields, right? Denver game, the Washington Commanders game. You're like, oh, here's the brilliance that we see. And then all of a sudden you go backwards at that point. And the same thing with Bajan, right? And that Raiders game had a great game plan, relied on the run game. And then we go play against the Chargers. And we're, we're throwing the ball more than we're passing the ball in this. And I understand in the second half you, you had to air it out because you were down. But even when, when the game was manageable, he was still trying to air it out too much. I mean, Bajan should have threw three picks in that game, right? He only had two. But you would put too much pressure on a young quarterback in a primetime stage. You have great running backs. That's the strength of this team for sure, right? You have, you have multiple running backs that, that are good, that are rogue graders, that can get you four to five yards, and they just put too much pressure on them. And I, I, I just think whatever the quarterback is, whether it's Bajan, whether it's Fields, you got to rely on that running game, work the play action, and I, I just think Getzey didn't do that. He put too much pressure on him. And listen, Bajent, he's comfortable. He's cool in the pocket. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I don't think there's any. But to, but to say, like, oh, you know, this is a quarterback controversy? Come on now. Like, let's 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 pump the brakes <laughs> on this. Like, honestly, let's, let's pump the brakes. I think I think he's he could be a talented quarterback in this league. He doesn't have the arm strength, but depending on whatever system he could fit into, I think he could be a, a pretty good quarterback. But let, let's be straight, right? We all know that Justin Fields has the talent, right? It's about him being able to put that in play, right? He's, he's been up and down certain times. Some of it was on him. A lot of it's on the coordinator. And I think that's the biggest thing. So when, when people were like, you know, when I was picking the, the scores, I was like, listen, the Bears are going to lose this one. I was like, oh, you're a home. You love Justin Fields. And I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter what quarterback is in there. Luke Getzey, this team is so inconsistent. And they showed that on Sunday, right? Defensively, they couldn't stop anybody, couldn't generate pressure, something that we've seen all year. And then offensively, right? You got, you got two talented running backs out there, but let's throw the ball a little bit more. So it's like everything that you're supposed to do, they do the opposite, right? It's like my kids, right? I tell them to do something, they do the opposite of it. Luke Getzey and company, they're doing the opposite as well. So I just, I, it, it kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit and say, okay, you see that it's not working, so why are you doing it? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you, you burn your finger on the stove so many times, you're like, it's not going to burn me this time again. No, it keeps doing it. So that, that's why I'm just scratching my head with it. And uh, this, this staff needs to go. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to call for somebody's job, and this is their livelihood, but they just have not done enough in these two years, a year and a half, to really show that they belong to be here. Yeah, yeah they're 5-20, and 20, Corey. 5-20. and 20. Greg, yeah. please hop in, yeah. Yeah, the record, you know, I can let go of last year's record, but this year's record is unforgivable. They, they, I can't forgive them for losing to the Packers. I don't care it's week one. It was week one for them, too, and it was on the road. We got embarrassed by a bad team. Week two, another team that's flawed. Yeah, you're on the road, but a winnable game that a better coaching staff gets scratches a win out of. The Denver game, unforgivable. Up 28 or whatever they were, 28 to 3. Unforgivable. You know, these are the games that if you win, then when you go through a lull, you you, you drop one to Minnesota because your quarterback gets hurt, or you drop one to the Chargers because you're playing a backup Division II undrafted free agent quarterback. Then that then you can you can stem that tide. But when you lose the games you're not supposed to lose, your margin of error becomes that much more slim. And this this coaching staff hasn't been able to get enough out of the games that they were supposed to win 
to build up any equity in a game where you can understand that they might have to take an L in. So, you know, um, the quarterback situation, you know, they, they haven't done fields any favors here um, last year. And then this year, as far as adjustments are concercned, and uh, Tyson Bajan is an intriguing backup option, but that's that's all he is uh, to this point. Can he um, become more than that? I, I I don't know, but you know it, it would take a long time for him to get to that point. But certainly an intriguing developmental option. I'll take that over you know a um, you know a a retread veteran quarterback like we have every year here for the last fifteen years. You know when we brought Kyle Orton in. Uh, young quarterback that was a developmental type option. He ended up being a pretty decent pro. Was he the greatest quarterback in the league? No, but solid, you know, a guy that made good money in this league. How long was he in the, in the league? 10, 12 years, something like that. Um, Yeah. So, you know, like that's the last time I feel like we've had a quarterback that's similar to like what Tyson Bajan is a developmental young backup type of quarterback that can come in and, and your team may not fall off as, as hard as if Nathan Peterman comes in there. All due respect to Nathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think the most disheartening part of this year is just how competitive they were against some really solid teams, right? You look at Philly last year, they took them down to the wire. Miami, they took them down to the wire. And then this year, Kansas City, the game's over before the first half, right? All the yep. Swifties, they're showing Taylor Swift over there, you know, oh, with Jackson God. Mahomes and, and Kelsey's mom and, and the whole bit. It, the game was over before before the sec, uh, first half was over. So it's just disheartening that they're not in games like they were last year, right? So there's a lot more talent this year, and they're playing worse. So I think that is a mark of coaching. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's clear as day, right? Like, it is a mark of coaching. So anybody that's saying, oh, it's not a – th- this staff is the reason. Like, Corey, they're not getting – Yeah, real quick, Corey – Corey, how do you how do you make sense out of the fact that they actually were, I think, in the top five of least penalties last year, and then this year, the undisciplined nature? I mean, it's the same coaching staff. How do you make sense of that? Yeah, I mean, penalties usually come down to coaching, right? You know, there's a couple yeah. holding penalties, this, that, and the other that, you know, hey, it's, it's tough. But usually a highly penalized team isn't a well-coached football team. They, they, they usually go hand-in-hand. Hand. So it's, it's definitely frustrating because they played a lot harder, they were in more games last year, and we just we just don't see that same consistent play, and they have a lot more talent this year. So, I, I think that's very telling of the coaching staff. So I I think they're great people. I think they're probably great guys off the field. But at the end of the day, Joey, this is a business, right? So whether you're a player, or you're a coach, if you're not doing what you need to do, you're going to be out of there. So and I think that's just the reality of it. Any yeah. business, right? In the, in the in the real world, you're not doing what you're supposed to at your job, you're going to get fired. So that's that's the reality of it too. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. It happens, but th- that's why this game is a business. Uh, final one for you, gentlemen. Here I'm believing Bears, former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten, and so happy to have CHGO's very own Greg Braggs joining us. I mean, they're doing shows live uh, every single day, streaming, giving you all the uh, necessary info that you need in the content. The post games are are top notch. Uh, they're definitely a must watch. <laughs> at, even even when even when we're getting taken to the woodshed uh, on a weekly basis. So speaking of the woodshed, Greg, uh, my final final question for you is, and, and Corey, forgive me for a second. Um, you know, me and you, we've been Bears fans. We got if you cut us open, we both have bear blood. I mean, that's what we're gonna get in our DNA when they cut us open. So I've been doing a lot of inventory, and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I've been doing a lot of inventory these last couple of weeks. And my question for you is as a Bears fan for this Bears franchise, 
is this the lowest point in your lifetime? I was trying to think, even with Dick Jerron, right? You got you got Ted Washington, you got Keith Trailer, you got a young Brian Urlacher. Uh, even with Tressman, you still had the Forte, Brandon Marshall, Jay Cutler days. I mean, is this is this are we at the lowest point in the Chicago Bears franchise in your fandom in your lifetime? I would say um singular moment, the lowest point for me definitely was the Chiefs week because that coincided with the Allen Williams news dropping on Wednesday. And then Thursday was, or Tuesday was the Allen Williams news. And then Wednesday was, you know, Justin Fields calling out the coaches and then having to call another press conference after the press conference to apologize for calling out the coaches. Um, You know, whether that was from, you know, the front office telling him to, you know, take his words back or his agent, you know, saying, Hey man, you know, it's not looking good for you in the media. You might want to clean this up. However, that went down. It was just not a good look either way. Him, kind of going back on his words and having to get defensive about it. Then you go into Kansas city as Corey mentioned and get your ass whooped and have Taylor Swift. Cause that was like the start of this whole Swifty insanity that has taken over the national football league. And we got to be the, 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 the test dummy for that and, and made a mockery of that entire game. Uh, and Oh, by the way, the team gave up and let go of the rope probably halfway through the second quarter. So that was the lowest point for me. Um, you know, I think that was the week that I wore a bag on my head for an entire two hour post game show. And like, that's, that's something Saints I mean, fans. Oscar. Saints, yeah. I mean, I've never looked any better. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll ever top that moment. It was, it was, uh, it was funny. We had fun with it, but like when I was growing up, that's what the Aints fans, the saints, now that we were playing the saints here this Sunday, that's what they were known for. They were like the only fan base yeah. I'd ever known that would like, actively wear a bag on their head going to the games like, i don't even think lions fans were doing it that when i was a kid because they at least had barry sanders so I, that was the singular moment but now that the season's progressed and i you know my the emotion of that week has worn off i can't say that this is lower than the trestman era all due respect to Corey, who i think was a part of that era um that was tough when when the Only bears one year. <laughs> okay yeah well that second year so you weren't a part of them the second year which is when it got real bad no, they 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 jobbed him. They yeah. screwed him. So the, they did. So the, and that's why, because they got rid of Corey, a locker room leader. And in that second year, all hell broke loose. And these guys were like fighting at camp. Yeah. Brandon Marshall's freaking out every other week, calling random press conferences to like defend all the crap he's been through in his life. And then, you know, then they get to a point where they they get beat down by 45 and back to back weeks to the Packers and Patriots. And the Packers were like laughing at us. And the reason that year was worse was because they, they had to start over after that year. They had to get rid of everybody, file, fire Phil Emery, fire uh, Mark Tressman, completely start over. And this year is not like that. Like it's bad. It's embarrassing. It sucks. But there is something that will help us here immediately this offseason. They have two top first round picks. They have a nucleus on this team. Yes, they've failed this year, but DJ Moore is going to be here next year. These guys are going to be here. So they have something. If they just fix the, the, the problem areas, which there may be a few, but hey, it's been done here in the NFL. Like there's more light at the end of the tunnel this year than there was at the end of the Trestman era. Yeah, it's interesting talking about the Trestman area. So I think I think them firing Lovey was was one of the worst decisions that they could have made. The coach that goes 10 and 6, you got a top five defense. 
Um, just the way we were playing, lights out. Um, I've never heard of a coach getting fired going ten and six. Maybe was it uh, Raheem Morris too? Did he get Did he get fired at going ten and six? He, I thought he won nine. He, he, he had a winning record. Nine, yeah. You're correct. Yeah, he had a winning record. He gets fired. But I think Phil Emery, like the, the crazy part is, so I think it was 2015, right? The 2015 season. I think there were only three players that were on Lovey's roster in 2012 that were still on the team. It was Sherrick McManus, uh, Kyle Long, and Jay Cutler at that point. I believe it was the biggest turnover in NFL history. And Emory treated that like a, like a college team, right? When when a new coach comes in and you just clear the set, like when Rick Rich Rod came to Michigan, right? He completely you know took everybody out of the pro styles. Like, listen, I'm rebuilding. That's what Emory tried to do at that point, and it, and it just seemed like there was a lot of guys that were talented that he just didn't retain them, uh, the guys that he didn't draft, and that's what he was trying to do. And I think that's why they were you know John Fox error. And then, you know, Matt Nagy, they started to get a little bit better um, and, and made the playoffs twice. But I think that was that was kind of the downfall of the fact that Phil Emery just wanted a complete um, turnover of the whole roster. And I think that messed up stuff for, for about five, six years. Yeah, and I, off the top of my head, I think Schottenheimer, I think even Mike McCarthy probably got fired after a winning season. But that was just based on they had previous playoff success. They were trying to get to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? He was not, He just hit the ceiling of what his potential was with that particular organization. Uh, gentlemen, we got to get out of here. This was Believe in Bears, uh, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Thank you so much for listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to us on SiriusXM. Thank you for watching us on YouTube, whether it is the Sports Talk Chicago uh, YouTube channel or watching on Twitter. My name is Joey Christopoulos. You can follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Greg Braggs, thank you so much for joining the show, my friend. Um, I can't tell you enough that, uh, honestly, I'm so glad that I met you for the first time. Um, I don't know you, but I tell you, man, I root for you. And in a funny, weird stretch, and a funny, weird stretch, like we are uh, in a strange way, kindred cousin spirits, uh, because if you roll the clocks back two years ago, uh, me and you did not have uh, checks that we were cashing with the name sports on them. And uh, I can't tell you enough. Uh, I'm so happy for your success, man. Uh, you're doing such a great job. Thank you so much for joining Believe in Bears, man, and hope to see you again soon. Yeah, definitely. Got to come on sometime and talk some uh, basketball, college, uh, Big Ten basketball with you while Purdue kicks Northwestern's ass. I'll come on that way. Oh, here we go. Boiler <laughs> down. Boiler quick, down. Quick, hey, don't hype his head up. Quick, don't hype his head up. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, who's the who's the X Factor this year? Is it Braden Smith? Is it, is it Fletcher hitting threes? Yeah. I mean, Edie can't be the X Factor, right? Because he's the centerpiece. No, it's, it's definitely uh, Fletcher Lawyer because um, if they can knock down threes, you know, those guys were young, but if they can knock down threes, because all that gravity goes to the big man uh, down low and Zach Eady, and if uh, Fletch Laurie can take advantage of some open shots and knock them down this year, they could have a long run. But I know they're going to yeah. – Northwestern got lucky last year, and they, they had the uh, <laughs> they had the refs on their side. And oh, Carm, here Booey, baby. Boo Booey. Yeah. Come on, yeah, baby. So, yeah, yeah, no, my, my favorite over. stat – Yeah. My favorite stat about Lawyer real quick is that in five games against ranked teams last year, 13 points a game, 42% from three. So against yeah. ultimate competition, take that next step, and then no, all of a sudden got, maybe you're winning some games. He's got onions. Yeah. Now he's just got to work on that. He's got the onions. He's just got to work on that that fatigue. Uh, that rookie fatigue <laughs> yeah. definitely set in by the end of the year, and I uh, got to fight through those screens and knock, knock some down. So, yeah, bring me on for some college basketball talk. But I no, appreciate all he's going to do is talk about Matt Painter. Oh, Matt Painter, you know, after the game, he said this. And he really, man, 
Paint the wall, okay? Matt, paint now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You're going to find I gotta out. Get, I got to give you a hard time. You know, I got to eat some spaghetti and hey, meatballs, if you when, know what I'm when, saying. When huh? Purdue goes to Northwestern this year, we should all go. You know, Carm's going to be there. It was a raucous crowd last year. So I, I say that, that that's a night we all meet up. Yeah, I just don't. Corey's got to wear that Halloween cry. wig. Yeah. <laughs> I saw <laughs> it. Yeah, it was my emo, emo Corey. That was yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's my alter ego, Seth. Yeah, I saw that. Seth. Yeah, it was like flock of seagulls, Corey. Jimmy Butler esque, right? <laughs> oh yeah. This is the Jimmy Seth, Seth, yeah, Seth yeah. Newton. <laughs> uh thank you so much for tuning in to Believe in Bears, everybody. Corey, take us home on another great episode, man. Great to see yeah. you. And uh, we'll be back soon. Another, another great pod. Got my man Braggs. Uh Braggs in the stands, aka King Meatball in the building. No. Yep, so it's good to have him on. We got we got to have him back as a guest. Um, another great week talking about the Bears. There's been a lot of ups and downs, more downs than ups. But hey, the fact that we got sweat finally added a pass rusher. You know they're gonna get that contract negotiated. That was the whole point of this trade in good faith to negotiate this. So going forward, that addresses one of the needs in the offseason. So then you can address the other defensive end position and the three technique. You can stack some more picks or free agents as far as end is tackle. Because you, you got to have waves of guys. That's the recipe for success in this league, Braggs. I've, I've been preaching that, Joey. I've been preaching that. I think that's how you win games. And the most talented teams in the league usually have a talented offense and especially a great defensive line. So going forward, the Bears are going to have to do that. Hopefully, they'll finish the season out strong. Hopefully, we'll see some stuff from Justin Fields when he gets healthy um, to, to be able to, to show that he, he belongs to be here, right? Because I think it, going forward, if you have him, it makes everything that much easier. Then you can address other needs and concerns. So hopefully this week they can be competitive. I know Bajan's going to be the guy. Hopefully Getsy will set him up for success with the run game, work the play action off it, defensively bring the pressure early. So hopefully this results in a Bears win. If not, I guess they'll get a better pick. So it's so it's a win-win either way. So, yeah, looking forward to next week, and we'll, 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 definitely, we'll definitely talk about it and, and break it down next week on the next pod. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Sweat, baby, sweat. Shout out to Bloodhound Gang. We'll be back next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.